All right, welcome back to another edition of Mouth and Off Sports, the flagship show under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella, including Fixing to Talk Sports, the Cool Zone Pod, Foxborough Files, you name it. We got all the sports covered you can imagine. I'm joined here by host of Fixing to Talk Sports, Ryan Brown. Ryan, how we doing, my friend? I am doing well, Daniel. It's uh, good to be back home after a weekend in St. Louis. Uh, Got to see a Cardinals game for the first time. That's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, but we are here to talk some football. Week two preview, week one recap. So let's get to it. Dude, absolutely, man. I mean, football back. Football is back. And we got to witness week one of the new era in New England, Mac Jones, and uh, hosting the Miami Dolphins, a, a close game that honestly – we both felt the Pats were going to win in a similar fashion uh, in terms of a low-scoring game, but they end up being on the losing side of this in week one in Mac Jones's debut. And, you know, we saw it live. And, you know, I really, my initial thoughts, I just, I didn't feel like it was his fault. Obviously, there's some throws he could have made that he didn't. He also took a beating. Um, so I think there's a lot to pull from this game. I don't think there's a lot of negative to pull from Mac Jones in particular, but overall you just don't want to start off a season like that against, uh, you know, a division opponent at home and your rookie starting, you know, his debut, which I thought he did well, again, good start for him um, overall, but you got to win that game. I feel like, and going into the jets now in week two, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You're just, I feel like all, all of a sudden you got more pressure now on you. So it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it it's, is, it, it's, yeah. it's tough because uh, you go into the season uh, with Mac Jones as your full-time starting quarterback. And everyone's got these high expectations that this we're going to be, that the Patriots are going to be a playoff team once again, or at least uh, scratching and in, in, in at least competing for a playoff spot at the very least. Yeah. And you get a wake up call wait, week one, right up, right off the bat at home against a Miami Dolphins team that I told, I have been telling everyone that is that would listen, they will not be a pushover. Everyone thinks that last year's 10 and six is not, is, I don't know if they think it was a fluke or what, but for whatever reasons they have, a lot of people that we talked to are down, we're down on the Dolphins going into this year and thought that the Patriots should, with even with, all the guys that they were breaking in on offense and all the guys that were bringing back on defense uh, would be able to take care of the Dolphins at home. And that was just not the case. Now, granted, they should have won the game. Let's, they should let's, have won. let's be honest. They should have won the game. They had multiple turnovers and they weren't able to really force any uh, that I can remember. Um, and so they just uh aside from the jonathan jones interception on the tip oh yeah um, yeah which was huge but then not being able to capitalize on it and that that was the difference um just when you when you hold the opposition to 17 points i think for starters that no longer puts much blame on the defense so you kind of have to turn and look at the offense and say, well, we held them to 17 points. Why couldn't you get more? And 
when you look at the, just the raw numbers, like if you're just scrolling through the box score, Mac Jones, 29 of 39 for 281 and a touchdown. And he only got sacked once QBR of 70. That's, that's really good for a rookie quarterback's debut. Damian Harris, 23 carries for hundred yards with a fumble and receiving wise Nelson Aguilar led the way five catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you look at this, the raw numbers and you think, wow, we probably had a good game offensively wise, at least maybe from a points perspective. And then turns out that wasn't the case. And the, their lack of being able to capitalize on drives and finish drives off with touchdowns and instead having to settle on multiple occasions for field goals ended up costing them this game alongside the turnovers. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's that fumble by Harris, you know, you know, it, it, it's all about timing. You know, it happens in that spot. All you need is to finish your drive, end of the game, kick the field goal. Instead, you know, you fumble and you turn the ball over. And that's exactly what you can't do. Bill, absolutely, it, it, that infuriates him. You know, like going back to like last year with Brian Hoyer in the Kansas City game at halftime, you know, not realizing he didn't have any timeouts left and he couldn't take a sack. That kind of stuff is is very detailed kind of oriented things that bill and i know just the patriots we we know over the past 20 years that's how they've been great too they don't make those kind of mistakes they make other teams make those mistakes because of how they're coached because of how detail oriented they are as a unit they also had way too many penalties they were undisciplined um and that cost them as well i believe they had over 100 yards in in uh penalty yards, I believe. So you, you just can't be making those kind of uh, mistakes and you're at home too. Like <sighs> division opponent, it's the dolphins Tua, you know, still doesn't have his proper footing yet. He still is kind of unproven. The verdict's still out there. And yeah, I mean, their, their defense is honestly, it's better than I gave them credit for last week. Xavier um, Howard just balls absolute balls on that guy um and they they just could not match up and mac jones again like you said ryan you just look at his box score you're like yeah i i i think uh i think he had a pretty damn good uh debut here but you know at the end of the day if it doesn't result in a win you know especially in this case it it really doesn't matter all too much other than it kind of seems like we got a competent quarterback here. A, a guy who's at least serviceable. Yeah. So Pat's had eight penalties for 84 yards, whereas okay, the dolphins, close. the dolphins only had five for 28. So that obviously did not help matters. Uh, the Patriots also for the most part dominated time of possession, 36 minutes and 43 seconds opposed to the Miami dolphins only having the ball for 23 minutes and 17 seconds. Uh, I mean, you just look up and down the board, and this is a game that clearly the te- the Patriots just let get away from them. And I don't think it's it's much more to say other than that. Uh, you can nitpick here and there. You can say, oh, the tight ends didn't have as much of an impact as you would have liked them to have right off the bat, given how much money you paid them. Or you could say that, oh, the, the Patriots gen- didn't generate as, uh, as much pressure as you would have liked to have seen uh, get to the Tua as much um, as much as the Dolphins were getting to Mac and pressuring him and forcing him to make quick decisions 
which he handled fairly well, I would say for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, all it doesn't matter if you can't put up more points than the opposition. And for the Patriots to be unable to do that with how well I thought, or at least fairly well, I thought the offense looked for week one, it was, it was disappointing to say the least. Yeah. Disappointing is the perfect way to phrase it. And, you know, we also know too, the way that the Pats handled the first four games, I know it's different now with, with Mac, but still in a similar way, the first four games, first four weeks, they're really figuring out the identity of the offense. We know it's going to have a lot of uh, running in it between Harris and Stevenson and who knows if Taylor gets uh, some run as well, uh, some more run, but at the very least, I, I know that the tight ends will be more involved at some point, you know, whatever first week, you just want the kid to, to not fuck up and to have a decent game. And he definitely delivered on that for sure on his end. So we'll have to see going forward, you know, again, next week they got the jets, um, but we still got week one to talk about in the NFL. What a week one, man. It was <laughs> watching red zone. in a a tailgate parking lot i mean that was just absurd on so many levels but also just electric it was peak man week one and you're in a fucking parking lot eating dogs and burgers you know having a few cold ones with the boys and you just got red zone chilling there in the back of the car like it could not have been more peak football is back so Let's get into it. I mean, there's a lot of interesting games. We talked about some key ones that we were looking for last week. Um, but a few in particular, starting with uh, the Cardinals at the Titans, you know, not just because I, I picked this as my mortal lock, but <laughs> Car- I had Cardinals money line. And I'm just saying this, look, the Titans will be okay, but they were, they were getting overhyped. Once they got Julio, it's like, okay, let's just, let's, let's, remind ourselves who's throwing the football okay not that Tannehill is bad but let's be real and I know they were home but the Cardinals Kyler Murray you know starting to really come into his own now second year with uh, DeAndre Hopkins you just know that that offense was going to be firing and boy were they firing and Kyler had a hell of a day so did uh, D-Hop and the Titans got absolutely walloped at home absolutely Chandler Jones ate up Taylor Luan and Ryan Tannehill for breakfast. At, oh my God. Chandler Jones, he's demanding that money. He wants that money. That, that was an unexpected score for me. I expect that one to at least be kind of back and forth or somewhat close. And I didn't think Arizona just put an absolute mauling on Tennessee and just almost just borderline exposed them uh for just being not a a dominant team uh but you look at i mean this i think this speaks a lot more to to arizona than it really does tennessee in the grand scheme of things i think this this goes to show you arizona is for real after uh i believe they were eight and eight last year i I, and they were a game out from making the playoffs Mm -hmm. uh i think they're gonna be uh, definitely in the playoff conversation for sure. If week one has, is any indication of it, you get Kyler Murray just balling out, throwing, slinging, running touchdowns in. And like you said, Chandler Jones, five sacks. I think he had that by oh. the end of the third quarter. 
I mean, that's just, that's insane. So if you're able to mix in uh, a solid uh, rushing attack uh, between Edmonds and James Conner, uh, that the Cardinals could be could be legit this year. I'm not saying like championship contenders, but I'm saying they could be definitely competing with the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers in that division for sure. That I, I'm so like after week one, I cannot wait to see NFC West divisional matches, dude. Dude, especially after the way Arizona played, it's like all right, like let's go. This division is going to be of absolute dogfight um, all year long. Like, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised uh, about Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars uh, with his debut? I mean, he, you know, he threw for a ton of yards, but again, like, you know, that that seems like, I don't know, it just seems like a sticky situation with Urban Meyer. I, I, don't, I don't know. Ever since they brought in Urban Meyer, I've just always felt weird about the whole thing and I don't know like I I just want your take because I mean you're a huge college football guy so I I was I wasn't so much surprised by Trevor Lawrence play I mean yes he was heavily hyped up being the top pick and someone that would usher in a new era but it's not going to happen right off the bat they're not going to the Jaguars aren't going to go from one and 15 to 10 and seven it's just not going to happen uh, right off the bat and you saw that a harsh reality uh, with how they lost to a team that many expected to be the worst team in the NFL and the Houston Texans uh, who don't even have the likes of their old starting quarterback uh, they're starting Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor is fine he is a, a, a solid NFL quarterback but he is by no means a, a Deshaun Watson Let's, let's just be honest. That's an obvious step down. You've had so much talent go in and out of Houston on both sides of the ball. And for Houston to just go in there and just handle Jacksonville, uh, I think that this is uh, a case where it says more about Jacksonville and that this is going to be a slow the, – the rebuild is, is not near uh, done. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the numbers for Lawrence, three touchdowns, three interceptions, 28 of 51 for 332 yards. I, I think that's more so a product of the fact that they were down 27 to seven at halftime. And there was no point in running the ball to attempt to try and get back into the game. So you just had Lawrence slinging it out the, for the most part in the second half. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really just interesting to see that whole dynamic with that team play out throughout the whole year. You know, urban's already getting questioned about the, the USC um, coaching um, opening over there. And I, it's just going to be, it's going to be a storyline. I feel like the whole year, just like Trevor Lawrence and urban Meyer and like, how, how is, you know, that team building, you know, is it building right around uh, Lawrence? Like, you know, because back in like uh, the summer, they were giving tons of reps to Minshew. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. That organization, I feel like they could screw up anything. So um, it's, it's true. But I want you to put just a little bit. I don't even care if it's, you know, a lot. I just need a little bit 
a little bit of respect for my Browns. Yes, my Browns putting up a 29 spot on the road. They lose by four to the Chiefs, the reigning AFC champs. And Baker didn't even throw a touchdown. And the Browns had two turnovers uh, or turned the ball over twice to Casey's zero. And you know what? They just play a little bit cleaner. They win that game. And got to put a, just a little bit of respect. Just a little bit, Ryan. I mean, they were winning for the most part. So, I mean, I'll give you that. Um, uh, they were winning at halftime by, what was it, 12? I mean, they were winning going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they, it was a solid game for them to just kind of – Eventually, they just could not hang on. And instead of building a lead, they let Kansas City slowly chip away and chip into it until finally the Chiefs just overcame them. And that's just the calling card for that Kansas City team is there There seems to be no deficit, no lead that is safe against them. And Cleveland knows this all too well. Um, and I, I, I don't I, – I just think that for Cleveland – they really needed that win to kind of solidify themselves and kind of put them on the map as this is our year and them choking the game away in the fourth quarter kind of just says, well, we we're, we're, we're kind of there. We're kind of here. We're almost to the point where we're at that top team. We can compete and beat the top teams, but we still can't get the job done. So, right. But at the same time, there I still think they're sort of – I feel like they're almost like in a similar spot um, where Arizona was last year. They've just been kind of stuck there. You know, they've peaked a little bit, obviously, last year making the playoffs and having a, a little bit, bit of a run. But, um, you know, they – I feel like they finally have some decent coaching around Baker. You know, no more Freddie – freaking kittens you know or uh what's his face Hugh Jackson or whatever no no more no more you know he finally has something you know that seems like they know what they're doing so just roll with that again it might take some time I'm not jumping off the Browns though I'm just firm I'm I mean I'm even more firm all right you know what so we'll see how long that lasts we'll see how long it's it's gonna it's gonna last buddy I'll tell you that I'll tell you that. Um, so looking around to, uh, we all know there's a certain co-host uh, that has a certain favorite team or has had a favorite team, uh, Zach, who is not here with us right now. Um, the 49ers top, uh, toppling um, the Detroit Lions and uh, Jared Goff's debut, 41 to 33. I cannot believe that the Lions put up 33. I know that they have a different – you know, it's a little different now, but they're the, still the Detroit Lions. I mean, like, and the 49ers have a good defense. Look, I I, I think this is more of a, a case of the people forget that Jared Goff led a team to the Super Bowl. And, yes, the stats oh, were always oh, there. Gosh, but no, I don't care. He's he's trash, bro. He's not, he's not the same guy. I never said he was the same guy. I'm just saying – he's perfectly capable on any given Sunday of putting on a show. And I'm not saying he's good or even mediocre. I'm just saying that 
when push comes to shove, uh, he he can pull some decent games out of his behind. And for the 49ers to allow that to happen and turn let this game turn into a shootout uh, was definitely very surprising. I mean, I'm not surprised that the 49ers were able to put 31 points on the board on Detroit in the first half. But then for their defense to let Detroit make a game of it, at least at the very end, I mean, I think this is a classic case of, oh, they only won by eight, but Detroit scored a garbage time touchdown late to, to make it look that way. I mean, so I'm not going to say like the game was ever in peril, but for Detroit to at least make it look that way, uh, I think that speaks volumes about the 49ers defense and that they've got to, they've gotten to tighten things up on their end. 41 points, even even on Detroit, is a good start for the 49ers offense, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're Jimmy G, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, try to leave, you know, any doors open for uh, Shanahan to throw Lance in there. Yeah, and the last thing you need to see is when Trey Lance does go in, scoring touchdowns. Uh, so, not great for, for Jimmy G on that regard. Uh, but they do lose Raheem Mostart for the season. He goes on IR. So, but San Francisco has plethora of running backs to choose from. Always seems to be that way over the past couple of years. Um, so they should be able to uh, fill in that hole uh, pretty easily. Just classic, you know, plug and play for them. So, I mean, there's a. There's a pretty obvious game here, Ryan, from week one. Uh, you know, who would have thought, who would have thought like two years ago, Jameis Winston was going to be opening up the season as a starter for the New Orleans Saints and blowing out Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers 38-3. to Who even thought that like a week ago? Well, exactly. I mean, like, it's just more so on the last part, but even, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, more so on the last part, but just in general, like Jameis, absolutely. I mean, again, five touchdowns, the biggest, the biggest, most important stat that he put up was a zero in the INT column. <laughs> he's already, he, he's thinking ahead. He's like, all right, I'm already. I already got five more TDs than picks. Like I've got a good cushion. Like I, I can afford to throw one or two here and there going forward. You know what I'm saying? So like, he's all set, but Aaron Rodgers is also the, like, I think maybe bigger than the, the Jameis story here because of how he played, how poor he played and the Packers overall after the big summer, you know, the summer of Aaron Rodgers and am I going to retire? Am I going to get traded or the, Packers suck this, this sucks and all this whatever that whole summer of, of of all that nonsense and then you come out and you put up that kind of performance um no dude and I know the Saints are a good team they're great on both sides of the ball especially if Jameis is gonna you know play mistake free or close to it football they're gonna be a really good team uh this season and probably you know a contender in the NFC at least. Um, so the Packers, man, that's just boy. And they, they've had some clunkers in the past, like that bears 
uh, opener two seasons ago was not pretty. Uh, again, it was kind of similar in this fashion, if I do recall correctly. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, 15 to 28, barely uh, making 50% of his passes, only 133 yards, two picks, and looked like a shell of himself. So I don't think that's going to be the case going forward, but it just begs the question, like, like are the Packers not going to be the Packers this year? Or was that just a one-off? That, that remains to be seen. Cause they, I mean, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. 15 carries for 43 yards. Uh, that's just not going to get it going. Aaron Jones, five carries for nine yards. Yeah, that hurts. Oh my God. Imagine drafting him in the fantasy up. league. Couldn't be me. Uh, but I think the real question here, Dan, is does it in terms of this game, is which what it, which team does this speak more about? Is this is does this reaffirm that the Saints aren't going anywhere and that they're still a top contender in the NFC? Or does this kind of say more about the Packers in that? even with Aaron Rodgers re-upping for one more, one more year that that maybe the ship has sailed already. I, I think it says more about the Packers. And I only say that right now, just because of what we witnessed, you know, in that off season, like, you know, the guy clearly was not nearly as committed to, you know, his job as he has been in the years past. You know, he definitely did not put in nearly the same amount of time as he usually does. I mean, I mean, I don't know how he could have fit in, you know, like usual, um, you know, camp work or offseason work, whatever, OTA work in between everything else he was doing. Um, so I just think it speaks more about the Packers. Like you, you talk all that, all that shit, you know, and you post the, you know, MJ, like last dance picks or whatever you refer to that. And you and Devontae Adams and you come out and you play like that and you lose by 35 to open the season and you called out the whole organization like within the last month. It's just a terrible, terrible look. And I mean, I'd probably pick the Packers to win, you know, in week two, just because I think it's more likely that they bounce back, whether or not they're going to be great down the stretch. I think it's more likely than not that they bounce back, but boy, that the last thing I had on my list was the Packers getting absolutely smoked by Jameis Winston for five TDs right in Aaron Rodgers' mouth <laughs> to open the season. Like, yeah. And, and they did, it wasn't even a home game. It was a neutral site game. I know. That was the worst part about it. <laughs> New Orleans literally got kicked out of their home stadium because of a damn hurricane. And, and Jameis Winston just – casually drops five touchdowns didn't even throw for 150 yards no he had five touchdowns on 14 completions because exactly did not need to he did exactly what he needed to do which was play within himself play within the system and so now now that you know that he can play within the system now the question is can Jameis ball can he still ball out, put up big staff, big numbers without getting careless with the ball? That's the next step that I need to see from the Saints. And if he can do that, if we can start to see a Jameis Winston that can put up stat lines like three touchdowns, one interception, and then throwing for 300-plus yards, 
Woo. Saints, yeah. Saints are, are not going anywhere. Saints going to uh, be marching, baby. Yeah. And then in terms of the Packers, where do they go from here? I, I think it's one of two ways. Either in week two, going up against Detroit, either they're going to absolutely pummel and just maul Detroit, take out all their frustrations on Detroit, <laughs> and just basically reverse roles in this from that score and be the team that wins 38-3. Or we're going to see start to see the demise of this team kind of take full circle and watch Detroit at the very least compete and go back and forth with Green Bay. Like if Green Bay wins by seven, I don't think the Packers, I don't think the Packers will complain because a win is a win at the end of the day. But if they, if they're only able to beat Green Bay, I mean, Detroit by like a touchdown, I know San Fran did that. But San Fran's coming off of a bad year last year. Uh, if if they're not able to throttle Detroit, I know it's an in-division opponent too, but they they really need a bounce-back performance and in a big way. And if they don't get it, a win will a suffice, but it might not it, – it's not going to silence any of the critics or the doubters. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it won't, it won't silence me. I mean – <laughs> For me, I think they're bouncing back just because, you know, a guy at that level, like Rodgers, he'll figure it out, at least at least for, for one week, you know, on the bounce back. But other than that, yeah, it, it's – I got question marks because you don't have that type of offseason talking all that smack. And, you know, and I respected him for calling out the Packers organization, you know, like, cool. If, if that's all true and, you know, we're like, great. But – to do that again that's what really has me like you know wheels kind of spinning like what what's going on here what's going on you don't just lose it by 35 like that yeah to open up the year but i digress um i think we we can look quickly across the rest of the week one matchups i don't know if you have any other ones that you no, want to no, talk about um for me but- that was pretty much it I mean, there are, there are some things that I definitely want to at least bring up as discussion points. Uh, I was big on the demise of the Pittsburgh Steelers and to much, yes. uh, much chagrin from most of our uh, podcast colleagues. And uh, well, I was looking good the first half as they put up a goose egg and they were down double digits at the half. And, but then uh, Buffalo chokes in the fourth and they let Pittsburgh get back into it. And Pittsburgh was able to come away with the victory. I mean, they the Steelers didn't have to do a heck of a lot on offense, but they got enough in, in, on a day where Josh Allen was was I'll just say he was held in check. And so kudos yeah. to the Steelers defense for holding Buffalo's electric offense to 16 points. Um, maybe I'm wrong about the Steelers, but I'm not willing to admit it just yet. Um, you look at the Sunday night game, which was Rams and Bears. The Rams looked dominant again. Uh, that Matthew Stafford was great in his debut with his new team. Looks like he's gonna, that's going to be a fun offense to watch with him working with the likes of Cooper Cup, Robert Williams, and so forth. And then on Monday night, 
you had the Ravens blow it to the Ra- Raiders was- overtime. Uh, and that is a little bit concerning to me because yes, I know the game went into overtime, but the Ravens defense allowing Derek Carr to throw 435 yards of offense. They look checked out, especially at the end. Uh, I don't even know if I would say checked out. It was just, they couldn't keep up. I, I would say it would more be more so they were just gassed. I mean, like they the just kept play. getting Darren Waller and Darren Waller and Darren Waller all over yeah. again. Nineteen targets to Darren Waller—that's a lot, man. And I, yeah. I know that's nothing new. I know that's nothing new. But for Baltimore's defense, which is perennially usually solid at the very least, to get torched through the air—that uh, that's not a good look when they now have to play arguably the best passing attack in the league in Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. So uh, the Ravens could be looking at a quick Oh, and two start. Yeah. And it's, it's tough when you got no running backs either, except for your quarterback. No, no, it's not, it's not a good thing. <laughs> not easy. I do want to say this real quick, uh, just uh, back to the Rams and Matt Stafford, you know, he, he's one of those guys that like, you just kind of root for, you know, like he, he spent 12 years, you know, in Detroit, just losing constantly, just banging his head against the wall and with, you know, coaches cycling in and out, you know, literally one of the greatest pound for pound wide receivers of all time, you know, gets, you know, that he played with gets inducted uh, into the hall of fame um, while he's still playing, still has plenty uh, of years left and finally gets a new opportunity with a great coach and talented weapons around him. You love yourself, some Rams wide receivers. We all know that. This is um, true. This is very true. So it, it's it's going to be exciting to see him in that offense, that change of scenery for, you know, going forward the whole season. I think they're going to be legit too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So shall we look ahead, Mr. Mr. Brown? I think we certainly can. We can start look, yeah. talking some week two. So let's just start off right away with the Pats because this is this is a bigger game than I thought. It would, you know, it's just you're on the road now against the Jets, dueling rookie quarterbacks, um, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and the Jets coming off a loss too against the Panthers. So, you know, again – this is like, this is, I don't want to say must win, but it's pretty damn close, man. Like, I know it's so early. It's so, so fucking early. There's 17 games, but the way they lost that Dolphins game, I just feel like you really, really got to come out, try to make a statement here. You, you know, you still got five more weeks of no Gilmore, at least, you know, and then, you know, you, you got to win these games when you can, these games that you should win especially against a team like the Jets that, look, I, I don't have much faith in. You know, regardless of, of Zach Wilson right now, I don't think he's going to, you know, torch the Pats or anything like that. But, you know, this, is a, this, this feels like a game they really need. Yeah, especially when you lose the, the week one opener, a game that many Patriots fans were expecting the, the team to win. Now 
you go up against the Jets, who are also starting a rookie quarterback, and their rookie quarterback did not play as well. Uh, albeit he was harassed as as well. He was sacked six times. Uh, he threw an interception, uh, but he did throw for two fifty eight and two touchdowns. Uh, it wasn't as efficient as Mac, um, but obviously the the Jets will be looking to keep Zach Wilson upright in this one. And with how the Patriots were struggling at times to get to Tua, uh, I, I hope that Bill has something dialed up to add more pressure. Uh, he, do, he does a fantastic job usually against rookie quarterbacks. We as Pats fans have known this for many, many years. I mean, you look at last year, how he absolutely exposed Justin Herbert, who was having an electric rookie season to the tune of what was it? 45, nothing. Yeah. That so enough said there. So I'm not saying you're going to get that in this matchup, but what I am saying is I expect the defense to be dialed in. Once again, I expect Zach Wilson to be put under duress uh, just as much, if not more so than he was last week. Uh, He's got, He's lost one of his linemen already. Mikhail Becton is out several weeks due to a leg injury. And that's a big loss for their O-line, which is already kind of shady or shaky to say the least. Um, So I I think this really comes down to, can you eliminate Corey Davis in the passing game? He was the one big threat for the Jets in week one, five catches, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. He's Him and Zach Wilson seem to have something going. Um, if you can take that connection out of the mix, I think this is a game the Patriots should definitely win because uh, the Jets don't have much of a rushing game either. Um, so I think the Patriots should be able to contain the, the Jets on the ground. Uh, whether or not that will actually happen remains to be seen but i like the patriots chances i don't know if i would call it a must win but if you lose this one things start to get interesting for this patriots team at least if you win you you kind of you kind of you 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 settle in you settle the boat you're one and one all right you didn't get the miami game but you, you, you handled business against the jets now let's see what we're made of against the saints and the bucks if yeah. you lose this one and then you go into potentially a matchup against the Saints who could be undefeated and then potentially a matchup against the Bucks at home who could be undefeated. Uh, this, could, this could spiral out of control real, real fast for Mac Jones, and this could not be a fun experience for him. Yeah, I was, I was literally I, – I was thinking the same thing. That, yeah, you got the Saints at home, thankfully, but, again, if – if they're going to look like what they looked like week one, man, like you really got to make sure you win this one this week. Uh, that's for damn sure. And again, the, like you said, the jets are very one dimensional and they have a, a rookie as well at quarterback. So albeit they're on the road, they should win. And I think we're both very firm um, in saying that for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think Bill Belichick, looking at his numbers against rookie quarterbacks, he's won nine of the last 10 matchups. Uh, and he's 21 and six overall against first year quarterbacks uh, since he became the new England's coach in 2000. Good. So good. 
Uh, I would say that odds are that the Patriots will find a way to win this game some way, somehow. Um, but hopefully they do not find a way to hand this game away. Cause if they hand this game away, there are going to be questions and it's not going to be questions about, Oh, you know, individual talent per se. It's going to be leadership. It's going to be at the top. It's going to be, is this, did you guys really bring in the right guys? Are the, is this, is this the offense? Is this, is this really what you guys spent all this money on just to lose games to in-division rivals that we thought we were better than? So it is a very big game now after the opening week loss for sure. I, but I won't call it a must win because there's still four or 15 games left on the schedule. But I, I, I understand the need to emphasize how important this winning this game is in context to their upcoming schedule for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just the heat's getting turned up. Heat's getting turned up. Um, so let's look around as well. We will definitely get to our mortal walks and fantasy love and hate, but, uh, around the league in general, uh, anything that stick out to you, uh, in general, Ryan, I think there's obviously every week there, there's always good games on the board. Um, you can literally never go wrong, but chiefs and Ravens, I think is an obvious one. That's a layup that I, Lamar and uh, Mahomes. Lamar has not been successful against the Chiefs uh, and Mahomes since he's been in the league. So, you know, and and those two are kind of, you know, both young MVPs. Lamar hasn't had playoff success yet, but uh, these two are always going to be a story when they're going against each other. Uh, I think the theme of week two is that you're going to – Look for teams that are 0-1, that that lost that week one game that you expect to be playoff teams, such as the Browns, the Colts, the Bills. Uh, You go on and look at the Cowboys, the Titans, Ravens, Packers as well. These are important games because normally you start 0-2 and the odds, the chances of you making the playoffs go down big time. Like the difference between one and one and zero and two is fairly significant. I have to look up the actual number, but I think the the theme of week two is can the teams that we expected to be at the top end of the league in that playoff discussion that did not get a W week one bounce back in week two. Um, you can yeah. even throw the Patriots in that mix as well. If, if you feel that, they you were expecting them to be a playoff team i was not one of those people i expected them to be contending for a playoff spot but i don't i didn't think they would be there and i i hope i'm wrong about that but week one kind of showed you it's 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 a wake-up call yeah one thousand percent um in particular i i'm like for instance i i don't expect the texans to beat the browns but I also didn't expect the Texans to beat the Jaguars. So if they are able to put up points and hang around, is Cleveland going to choke another game? Uh, it, same thing with the Colts. Like they don't want to start 0-2, but neither does Tennessee. So they're going up against tough competition. Uh, Tennessee's going to Seattle. 
the Colts are hosting the Rams. Both of those teams could easily start 0-2. And, and then you could be looking at uh, the AFC South yet again being a dumpster fire and with a 1-1 uh, one one Texans team being in first place. Yuck. So Yuck. I know it's early, and then you don't want to get too worried about placement in the standings, but, I mean, that would just be exactly a gross look, to say the least. Titans, uh, Titans, Seahawks is a is a good one too because it's uh, you know, Seattle is one of those teams that didn't have fans at all last year. So, and obviously, we all know how loud their their stadium gets. So, Titans, Titans don't have a soft landing. You know, they they do not want to have a repeat performance of last week. Uh, and going up against the Seahawks on the road is not a good way to try to even up your record. Um, you know, early on here in the year. And then there's another interesting game, and it's kind of deviates from the theme that I've been getting at, and that's Raiders Steelers. You know, I I had my doubts about both of those teams going into the season, and they both picked up marquee wins right off the bat against uh, the Ravens and the Bills, respectively, uh, two teams that made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, so one of these teams is going to get off to a very nice two and zero start, and then if if that's the Raiders, then we could be kind of right back where we were, I believe, last year, where the Raiders were kind of like two and one or two and two uh, going into that uh, week four or week five matchup against Kansas City and gave them a dogfight. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if that was the week that they beat them or not, or if it was the second matchup later in the season. But uh, if the Raiders can beat the Ravens and Steelers to start off their season, that's a that's a pretty good look on their end. And yeah, I I would not I did not have the Raiders penciled in winning the first two weeks. So I mean, you know, we'll have to see see what uh Mr. Gruden is building over there. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I mean I I know he's locked up, but it's just like it's still funny to me that he's that he's back coaching that team and they're in Vegas and, and credit to Derek Carr like I. I feel like there was a, you know, back in like what, like 2017, 2018-ish, he, before he tore his ACL, you know, he was like that Carson Wentz almost like trajectory of he was having MVP uh, type of year and he gets injured. The Raiders were a playoff team uh, that year. And ever since then, he's been fighting to get back there. And Darren Waller, again, he, he's such a great freaking weapon to have. I'm so jealous <laughs> that we don't have him on the Pats, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I did not, I did not have uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders um, starting off the way they did uh, either in week one against the Ravens. So yeah, we'll have to see. That's going to be juicy too. And the Steelers. Yeah. Big, big Ben heard you, Ryan. I think Big Ben low-key heard me. Yeah, we'll see about that. He'll be in a walking boot in no time. Hey, the the walking boot gives him fuel, bro. You don't get it. <laughs> okay. You don't get it, bro. <laughs> Come on, dog. Anyways. Nah. <laughs> oh, nah. Nami. Uh, but anyways. Yeah, I, I do like your theme there. I mean, it's it's a long season, but you know, 
0 and 2. And I think there was another stat uh, like on ESPN, like they were talking about like 0 and 2 teams to to make a Super Bowl like that. That only I think has only happened maybe close to a handful of times. Like that does not happen. Um, so yeah, yeah, you would really hate to see the Packers lose to the Lions at home and go 0 2 to start the year. But hey, I'm not trying to speak that into uh, existence. I'm just saying. Um, but any other week two games that like you're hyped about in general, or I I mentioned off the top just Chiefs and Ravens. Just because, like, you know, you see those two quarterbacks go and you're like, you know, it's going to be a fun time, like, no matter what. And Lamar just hasn't had success against them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, would, I mean, one of the games that I, I is inside my theme of the week is that Titan-Seahawks matchup. We need to see if week one was just a fluke from the Titans and they just slept walk through week one and forgot the season started last week. Or is that the new reality that Tennessee is just not going to be the same run dominant, like ball controlling, solid defensive team that we've seen the last couple of years under Mike Vrabel? It's it, a tough spot. Uh, and for the Seahawks, in a like we like I've I've harped on in a very competitive slash probably the best division in football. You need every win is going to matter just like it does for any other team. So I'm, I'm just being captain obvious there, but more so when the rest of your division won last week as well. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see if Russell Wilson can have another, another great week uh, at the, at the helm for the Seahawks. And if the Titans can get back on the saddle and bounce back on the road on a West coast swing. Yeah, that's yeah, it's just a really, really tough spot for the Titans. I mean, not the type of place you want to be going to uh, to get back on the saddle there. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and like, you know, Seahawks fans, again, they weren't there at all last year. So they're going to be freaking hungry. Yeah, first, but, first home game in quite some time for the Seahawks. The 12th man will be bumping. Hungry dog runs faster, uh, some, some people say. But – so yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that game, and just across the board, like you know, each week that's why it's why this league is so amazing because it, it writes itself, it it literally writes itself week after week. Um, but I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but I think it might be time, Ryan. Oh, it's time. Yeah, it, it's fucking time, baby. Mortal locks of the week. And even though we don't got Zach and Jonathan here, we still got their freaking picks and their fantasy love and hate. But since they're not here, we'll do that after uh, Ryan and I's picks. Um, you know what, Ryan? We're both 1-0 to start the year. So, you know what? You go first. I mean, because so, you went first last week. We might as well just, you know, I'm not superstitious, but, you know, let's just kind of keep the same order for now, you know? Yeah, that works for me. So okay. last week we both picked underdogs and we're both successful. Uh, I wanted to keep that trend going very much so, but I could not talk myself into it, Dan. I, I just, I just couldn't do it. So I'm going with a favorite and maybe it's a cop out because it's Kansas city, but Kansas city versus Baltimore 
is in a primetime matchup. It's between two of the best, if not better, teams in the league. And Casey's only only favored by three and a half. Mahomes has never lost to Lamar Jackson in their three matchups. And he's won by an average of over seven points a game. And from what we saw last week between those two teams with the Chiefs being able to come from behind and beat the Browns and with the way the Ravens just kind of, I don't know how to say it, but kind of just imploded and gave the game away to the Raiders in the second half and eventually overtime. I think Kansas city is an absolute lock to cover this three and a half point spread. Baltimore hasn't even beaten the chiefs since 2012. So uh, I'm, I'm very much in on Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs to cover uh, a three and a half point spread against the Ravens. Okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm like scared to touch games that involve Kansas city, but credit to you. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of a cop out, like I was saying, because Kansas okay. City is so good. But when the point spread is that close, I mean, you didn't and, make the line. It's not your fault. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're just come on. Baltimore's <laughs> not keeping this within a field goal. Yeah, no. not after that performance. I'd, I'd be, I'd be genuinely shocked if Baltimore kept this uh, to within a touchdown after last week's performance. Yep. Well. Unlike you, I am going back to back dogs. Uh, I'm gonna I'm rolling with dogs until I lose. You know I'm gonna say that right now. <laughs> I'm rolling with just my dogs. Um, Eagles at home, plus three and a half against the 49ers. I love the Eagles. They put a whooping on the Atlanta Falcons. Not that the Falcons are anything special that I think highly of them. No. Not that, it's just Jalen Hurts is coming into his own. This is his team now, okay? He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He doesn't have to worry. This is his team. They got a, a great run game, too. Uh, I also, uh, I don't want to spoil that. I, I, I got a fantasy love mixed in here as well, but I'm going to save that. <laughs> Eagles plus three and a half. They're, they're at home, too. I think they're starting off the season, two and oh, I love me some Jalen Hurts. And you know what? I don't love their coach. You know, Sirianni kind of freaks me out a little bit, but I don't think he's totally qualified (laughs) for uh, the job. But I also know that the 49ers, you know, allowed a lot of points to the Detroit Lions last week. And I think that the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, with their offense, they have that kind of capability as well. Again, and they're home. So I love the Eagles plus three and a half. Great pick, yeah. That's a great pick. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we will give Jonathan and Zach's mortal locks now. So I got Jonathan's right in front of me. And I got Zach's. That's perfect, my friend. So mortal lock, and I love this, even though I think he may have the wrong line. Um, but again, I still love it, even with the, the real line, because I think he missed it by a point. Mortal lock is Arizona minus three and a half and let me tell you I would have picked Arizona um, over the Vikings at home uh, but they're minus four and a half uh, at least the line right now Um, so even at minus four and a half 
Uh, I'm pretty down on the Vikings overall, and I'm extremely high on the Cardinals. So I love that pick from Jonathan. How about Zach? Well, before I get into Zach's, I just oh, gotta yeah. say, I mean, yeah. how how can you not love that line against Minnesota? Oh. Uh, I mean, after the yes. after the way the Cardinals performed in Week One, that just that even at four and a half, that just feels like a steal. It's a steal. Uh, so I, I definitely like that one as well. I also like Zach's Dallas plus three against the LA Chargers. I mean, Dallas was right there with the defending champs on opening night. Dak Prescott looked like the Dak of old thrown for over 400 yards to keep his boys in the team or in the, in the game. And I'm not saying that the chargers are bad, but I think Dallas needs this game a lot more given that they're 0 and one and the chargers are one and oh, and Dallas is the better team. Yeah. So I, I, I like this pick. I, I like Dallas plus three. Um, should should be a good good one there. I like that play. Okay. All right. Yeah, so those are our mortal locks of the week. Again, me and Ryan, 1-0. I had Cardinals money line last week. Ryan had Cincy plus three and a half. I mean, I mean, come on now. Come on. So hot start for, uh, for both of us. See how Zach and Jonathan fared this week. And, and me and Ryan as well, but we now have fantasy love and hate. And by the way, I don't know if they've been doing this, but I got a uh, notification like a few days ago on my phone from the fantasy app. And it literally was labeled like the headline was like our fantasy love slash hates. Not that like it's just a coincidence. I mean, it's not like, but it's just, but it's just like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it's probably Matthew Barry's weekly fantasy love and hate uh, article. So, I've just like we've been call. I like I don't know how long he's been doing that, but I like don't read him for whatever reason. I don't know. I just feel like he's almost he's, like he's been doing this a lot longer than we have. I can tell you no, that no. much. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know he's been doing fantasy football a lot longer. I just didn't know if he always called it like just like a love hate segment thing. Oh, uh, I think he's been doing it for a while. Nonetheless, I, I know what you're getting at. I just saw it and I was almost like, oh, oh, that's funny. But anyways, um, my love for this week, by the way, mm-hmm. ties into my Eagles pick. Okay, double yeah. dipping. Love it. Definitely, definitely doesn't tie into my fantasy team. But <laughs> this week, and this guy's coming off again. A ban- he was banged up pretty much for a good part. I'd say I think the better part of his rookie season. Uh, and last week had 16.9 points uh, against the Falcons. You know, albeit the Falcons, but Jalen Rieger of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think if you're in a league, you know, that, you know, if you're in like a 10 team league with like one flex, like, yeah, he might not be the play, but I still think he has value. Um, Even say like, you know, we have a pretty deep league, but I think he's a good flex option in general. And he's a guy that I think has some good upside for this year. Again, second year, hopefully he stays healthy. And I think he's going to be one of the main targets overall for uh, Jalen Hurts throughout the whole year. So I think he's, you know, a fair play this week uh, going up against 
albeit a good 49ers defense, but still one that just got lit up. So, and the Eagles being at home, I like uh, Rieger this week. My fantasy love this week is going to be Matthew Stafford. Uh, I kind of wanted to wait and see what the transition was like for him going into that LA Rams offense, but it looked pretty seamless to me. And when he was going off the board as kind of a a mid-range QB1, QB2 in a lot of leagues, um, I I think that now you can – pencil him in as someone that can be a pretty reliable QB one. Obviously there'll be some matchups where he'll kind of slide to that, you know, iffy QB one borderline QB two status, but I don't think this week is that week. Uh, He had that great debut. We talked about last week with the Rams and now he gets to face an Indianapolis Colts team that just let Russell Wilson go for 250 yards and four touchdowns. So I'm expecting QB1 numbers for sure from Matt Stafford, a big day because Indy's secondary still looks banged up. Uh, no Xavier Rhodes, a couple other guys in the, in the secondary listed as questionable. Uh, I think this could be a, a big day for Matt Stafford and the Rams passing attack yet again. I love that. Love that. Fucking Matthew Stafford. Fantasy God. Um, but like, I mean, he's been a pretty solid fantasy quarter, like in his prime, you know, like best years in uh, Detroit. But with that Rams offense, man, you know, he's got he's got some great upside there. So I I do like that pick. Uh, Jonathan's fantasy love is Austin Eckler uh, going up against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So he loves himself some Austin Eckler um, this week. So that's Jonathan's uh, fantasy love. And then. Uh, if you got Zach's fantasy, yes. he uh, likes, or I should say, loves Cole Beasley going up against the Dolphins. Uh, he had a solid week in Week One, uh, eight catches for sixty yards in PPR. That's a that's a pretty solid stat line to have without a touchdown. Uh, but Miami, Miami did well in keeping the the Patriots receivers in check. Um, with a lot of the focus probably going to be on Stefan Diggs, uh, perhaps Beasley can replicate his week one numbers yet again, or maybe he'll find it pay dirt. Uh, so I'm not sure how I feel about the Cole Beasley one. Um, not sure about it. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like even when he's been good, like he, he, he can be hit or miss. Like he, he's like, one of those guys that can just like go off and he may not give you consistent value um, all the time. And then, you know, who knows now, like in, in terms of like owning him on a team, um, who knows when he's going to go out with COVID, you know, like, so. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you were big on Cole Beasley last year. You, I think, or maybe yeah. the year before. Oh no, no, I've you been Fantasy loved him a couple of times. I've been, I've, I've had him on teams for the last like two <laughs> to three years. Yes. But I think that ship is starting to leave the dock a little bit. I'm just saying. Oh, just saying. Hmm. interesting. Yes. Yes. So uh, fantasy hate. 
so for fantasy hate this week, I've got Jacoby Myers. Um, actually, you know what? Uh-oh. No, I Uh-oh. Don't. Uh-oh. No, I don't. We're changing on the fly. No, I don't. We are calling it audible. It's Aaron fucking Jones, dude. Aaron fucking Jones, man. Like, can you even lead your team in carries or, like, get more than nine yards? And, and look, they're going up against Detroit. So, yes, I'm emotional about how shitty he did um, for maybe one of my teams. But in general, Aaron Jones is a RB1. He should be putting up at least five. 14 to 18 points he should be getting you reps not just reps he should be putting up points he should be getting touchdowns and i know nobody was good for the packers this last week but if the packers are going to be an average team um then yikes yikes for uh aaron jones i'm not saying drop him but be very weary if he has a bad week this week which i think he probably will because I think it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show. Even if even if the Packers are good and they win, I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers just hucking the ball all over the place of Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, uh, and Cobb, you name it. I don't think he's going to be trying to run the ball all too much. Um, so we'll see. We'll see, but fuck that. Don't, don't start him this week. I don't trust it. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. Kind of like how Matt Stafford is mo- loving him is more of a, a daily fantasy thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's kind of an overreaction to last week. I mean, Detroit j- just let uh, some uh, a backup for San Fran run for over 100 yards on 17 carries. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Green Bay's all-out assault included barrage on the ground as well. So. I'm not saying expect big things from Aaron Jones, but I, I mean, you're starting Aaron Jones if you have him, and you're praying that he puts up a bounce back performance for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I am emotional about it. So. Yeah, that that just felt like more of a true hate than an, a, a fantasy hate. Oh yeah, and, and, I mean, it, it happens. Though. It, happens. it does. We we do do those from time we, to time. We are guilty. We, I mean, yeah, we we are guilty as charged. Uh, so. Yes. My fantasy hate is going to be Julio Jones. I, yeah. I just, I, I just don't. I, I, I had questions about how he was going to slot in uh, coming into the season, and uh, so far the initial response is, well, he's definitely not the first target. That's going to be AJ Brown, and to only have three catches for 29 yards on six targets in Week One. I understand that the Titans offense was a disaster uh, for the most part in that week one game against the Cardinals and Tannehill should be able to bounce back because he was just constantly under pressure. But if that, if he's going to be under pressure, then that's, uh, he's just not going to have time to give Julio the time to run those deep or even intermediate routes that we've become so accustomed to Julio doing, uh, in Atlanta. So I I'm kind of a wait and see on Julio. Uh, uh, if, if you have him, I think you still got to start him. Maybe, maybe as, at the flex, maybe not as like one of your starting two wide receivers positions, but 
if you are starting him, definitely temper your expectations until you see him kind of integrate himself and display some sort of Rappaport with Tannehill. Uh, Cause that was definitely not apparent in week one. Yeah. Yeah. People, uh, you know, people love to overhype teams on paper, you know, and, and overhype moves on paper just cause it's a, a big name and, you know, we'll see who knows, like he, he could, you know, very well end up becoming a, a big part of that offense. But, you know, I don't think people should have expected, you know, right off the bat, like, dynamic duo between you know julio and aj brown but i like that i like that uh i love that pick actually because he he's a titan so i love that pick. i'm anti-titan this year if you haven't noticed um so i got jonathan's fantasy hate he hates Kenyon drake versus pittsburgh this week um so there's that. I mean, he, he had 12 points last week, serviceable, uh, you know, most a lot of, of that was through the air. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, most of that came from receiving. So, you know, he does not like Kenyon Drake this week, even with uh, Josh Jacobs ruled out um, this week. He's not big on Kenyon Drake uh, for the Raiders versus the Steelers. So that's Jonathan's fantasy hate. I mean, uh, it's fair because on one hand, as soon as you see the the guy that is splitting carries with you go down, as a fantasy owner, you you immediately think, oh, now he's going to get the majority of the work. Now, not only is he going to be the third down back, but he's going to get those carries right off on first and second down as well. And so he's going to be in store for a big day. But then you realize he doesn't have a great matchup. Pittsburgh is still a solid run defense, and they showed that last week uh, in containing Pittsburgh, uh, Buffalo on the ground in terms of their running backs. I mean, the Buffalo running backs only had 76 yards on the ground. And then – so he's still going to have that the, the third bat down duties, but I, I just uh, – you, you heard Gruden mention the possibility of Peyton Barber getting – an opportunity uh so perhaps none of not as many of the carries will go to drake as he would have expected from josh jacobs um so yeah i i understand why he hates the play i i think he's still a reasonable flex play for sure maybe even a borderline rb2 with jacobs out but if you're thinking that just because jacobs is out that drake's gonna pop off and have a monster week uh I, I understand why you would uh, say uh, not so fast, my friend. All right. Uh, Zach's hate is Jonathan Taylor. And this is another one where I'm kind of like, I don't know about this one chief <laughs> because the Rams just let David Montgomery run for a hundred yards and a touchdown last week. And Jonathan Taylor himself. Yes. He didn't run for a ton in his uh, season debut, he only had 56 yards on the ground, but he had six receptions for 60 yards. Uh, so I, I think Jonathan Taylor should have a, a pretty solid week again. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not really sure where I, I almost think this is just a, a personal preference on Zach's behalf. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm missing something here, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, trying to read the tea leaves and i'm not i'm just not seeing it uh, 
I, I don't I don't like that one. I think Jonathan Taylor should, should have a, a pretty good week this week. The way these picks are made, I mean, who knows, man? I mean, I mean, yeah, Julio will probably go off for like ten and a hundred and two touchdowns, and I'll eat crow. And then Jonathan Taylor will, like, will get dinged up. Maybe he'll like cramp up, and he'll only be in the game for half the time and do barely nothing. And I'll look really, <laughs> oh, and I'll look really stupid. That's one for you. Yeah. Um, but just on the surface, I'm not I'm not seeing the hate for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't tell you. He he must have some some personal like voodoo going on there with him or some shit. Oh man. Well, sort of fantasy love and hate. And you know, I mean, Mortal Locks. Want to know to start the year, both Ryan and I, uh, better than the Patriots uh, to start the year. This is true. So there's that. And I think, I think, we're, I honestly, I like, I like all four of our picks. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I'm going to keep rolling with uh, the underdogs until I'm probably going to lose this week, honestly, now. <laughs> I'm rolling with the dogs. Like, I'm, I'm always rolling. So, um, we got that. We got Pats at the Jets week two and just getting the ball rolling on this NFL season. And it's great. It's great. And we're going to see you guys next week too. Do you got any closing thoughts, Ryan? You want to, you want to share with the pod? Uh, yes, Daniel, I do. Go Duke.